0: This episode contains explicit language, so not for younger listeners or those without a sense of humor. So remember to grab your headphones for the Paranormal Investigation episodes, Uh, and you also get to listen to this voice super close to your ear. So buckle up, grab a drink, relax, enjoy. Hello, welcome back to episode 17 of Aussie Afterlife. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to me again. It's wonderful. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to part 1 and part 2 of my Aridale Asylum paranormal investigation. I hope you really enjoyed the photos that I captured as well. It's been really great to see some other opinions of what other people have seen in the photos, including some other little ghostly faces, which is really cool. Please never hesitate to give me your opinions or send me a message. I love responding and I'll always um, make it as a priority to get back to you and have a chat. I really enjoy it, so it's really great. Anyway, this. Episode. I'm going to sort of call like Aridale 2.5. So the first part of this episode, Dennis has been kindly enough, kind enough to send me some of his own experiences of Aridale and the tour that we did. So I will read those and go through those. So this is from his perspective. You guys have heard all from my perspective. So let's time to hear my little other partner in crimes' experiences of that. And the second part. Of this episode will be a very special story that I have received from a medium in Ballarat. She wanted this story told in a very respectful and honest manner, and I was very touched that she had chosen my podcast to be able to do that. So I'm very excited to go through her experience and tell more about that particular story. So, do you guys want to hear about something else that happened to me this weekend? So we all heard my snake story from last one. So this is in a similar vein. Anyway, my partner, Paul, was, you know, on call all weekend. So he ended up going out just to do a bit of work. He didn't come home till about 2 a.m. in the morning. I was fast asleep, like dead asleep. Didn't think anything of it. In the morning, he turns around to me and goes, ah, by the way, there was a massive huntsman on the wall last night when I come to bed and I was like, Pardon. Pardon. Massive huntsman, apparently huge. And I was like, So you just came to bed and left it? And he's like, Yeah, well, I'm not going to do anything about it that time of night. And I'm like, But so it, it, where is it? I have not seen it again. It is in this bedroom as I stand today, in here somewhere, hiding. I, I don't know what to do about this or how to feel about this. Give me a ghost in my room any day. I am terrified of spiders. Like, literally, I would prefer this house or this room to be haunted AF than have this rogue huntsman in this bedroom. I'll keep you guys updated to see if it pops back up, but it's probably hiding in the chamozzle that is my room anyway. God, I've got a lot of shit everywhere. But anyway, now I'm too frightened. Now I've got another reason not to clean, basically. Because imagine if I clean and it like pops out like, oh, hello. And I'm just, you know, I could have a stroke and then pass over myself. So let's not. But yes, I hate spiders. Anyway, it's probably enough from me right now. How about we kick it off with Dennis's experiences of our Aradale paranormal investigation. Check it out. In relation to ghosts and experiences with the afterlife, admittedly, I've always been a sceptic and a person who will say, I'll believe that when I see it. In the last 15 years, I became a convert after several experiences with spirits that convinced me that ghosts do exist. Some of my stories have been featured on this podcast already, but this next account details my experiences with Paranormal Investigations. It was a shift for me because walking past, hearing or indeed being in bed with a spirit is completely different to actively seeking them out. I was asked to accompany my good friend on a six hour paranormal investigation at Aradale Lunatic Asylum. I'd already been with her on a similar event at the Geelong Jail, but I was assured that this would be very different given the level of freedom the participants have during the tour. Prior to the evening of the investigation, I was confused and thought we were going to Jay Ward in Ararat, and I was surprised that they would be able to drag it out for six hours. On our way to the asylum, my friend laughed and told me that Aradale was a very different place, and when we had arrived, and I witnessed the magnitude of the hospital buildings, I could easily see why the tour was six hours. The tour guide was fantastic, and although she wasn't going to provide the level of history I was expecting, I understood the reasons behind this. I thought it was indeed better to venture into the unknown without any preconceived ideas or judgments. The variety of equipment was overwhelming for this novice spirit hunter, so I chose the instrument I was familiar with following my experience at the Geelong Jail the ghost meter. I was told that this allowed the user to converse with spirits through a series of yes or no questions. When the red light came on, there was a spirit close by and they were able to use their energy to communicate if they wished to. The first thing that happened to me was not initially pleasant. Our group was taken to the hospital rec day room, or it was called, as they like to call it, the hex room, and it was explained that this is where the patients would engage in art and craft therapy. Given that it was summer, we were still in broad daylight, but when I walked into that glass building, I felt a huge sense of dread and despair. It literally felt like a huge weight on my chest, and I felt really uneasy. I mentioned this to my friend, and she said that she had experienced it too. It was in this initial location that I'd had my first conversation with a spirit, who was able to confirm that they were a patient and had been responsible for one of the artistic handprints on the window. I had other moments where I established communication with the spirit, but the connection broke quickly, as if I wasn't exciting enough to talk to. I quickly made a joke and said, Oh God, even the dead find me boring. My next unusual experience occurred in the chapel, where the tour lead had attempted to complete her own investigation. Nothing really happened following her various questions, but I remember being fixated on the little to- um, on the little touch-activated cat toys, longing for them to light up. I then heard my friend say, Dennis. So I looked around and asked, Yes. My friend was in the process of taking photographs of the chapel's altar, and it didn't look like she'd been trying to get my attention, but I persisted and asked what she wanted. She looked at me blankly when I... Asked why she'd said my name, and she said that she hadn't. There hadn't been a round of introduction at the beginning of the night, so no one else in the group knew my name, or seemed to be close by to request my attention. When I actually thought about it, the voice didn't belong to my friend, as it sounded really gravelly and male-like, but I assumed it had been her because she was right next to me, and the voice had been next to my ear. The most profound experience occurred on the top floor of the staff quarters. My friend's version of the story had already been told on the podcast, but I had wanted to share my experience of the moment. I had gone into a small room by myself because I had noticed from the window that a house across the road from the hospital had Christmas lights shining, and I thought that this was unusual given that several weeks had passed since Christmas. While in the room, the red light came on my ghost meter, so I figured I would attempt a conversation. I was able to determine that this spirit had been a male staff member and that they had not been happy. It was then that my body started to feel cold, mainly just my torso. The air wasn't cold. It was literally just the upper half of my body that was chilled to the bone, which was unusual because it was a hot summer's night. I asked if the spirit was making me feel cold, and they confirmed that it was them. The connection broke and the cold feeling vanished, so I sought out my friend to tell her about it and show her the people who had Christmas lights on across the road. When my friend and I returned to the room, the red light on my ghost meter came on, and I was able to resume my conversation with the same spirit. My friend attempted to record the conversation to capture some EVPs, when she went to close the door to drown out some of the other people on the tour. She reacted as if something had touched her. I was still conversing with my spirit and I'd started to feel that cold sensation on my body again. The connection broke again after my friend had tried to close the door. My, friends ha- my friend had already recounted her own experience in that room, but I witnessed firsthand her reaction when she closed that door and I saw the scratches on her arm and the shift in her personality. In terms of my own experiences from that tour, I didn't encounter anything else to the level that I'd had in that bedroom. I'd had a few moments when my red light flashed, but I wasn't able to fully establish any proper conversations through my yes or no questions. I'm happy to say that in the last half hour of the night, when most of the tour group had gathered in a room to do a very specific form of investigation, I was able to see the cat toys, the cat balls, being regularly activated by the playful spirits in the female ward. I found the whole evening very enriching and it made me think about my own responses when I walked into certain buildings or in certain rooms and the level of spirit energy that would have to exist for me to even feel that it was pretty amazing. Thank you very much, Dennis, for providing me with your experiences from our amazing paranormal investigation. It was a great night. We had an absolute ball and I love doing anything with Dennis. So anyway, me and him just have a great time no matter what, but it was really cool being able to share this aspect of my life with him um, and to have him really appreciate it as well. And also have a couple of weird, cool experiences that he could not explain that um, stuck with him. I forgot about when we were in the chapel and he thought that I'd said his name because he's sitting there and he's like, what? Sam, did you, say, did you say my name? And I'm like, huh? I'm like, no, I'm sitting here quietly. And he's like, no, seriously, you're calling out, like you said my name. And I was like, no, I did not <laughs> at all. And then we spoke about it a bit later on. And he's like, now that I think about it, that was not your voice. But it was like a Dennis in his in his ear. Like, and it was coming from the side that I was sitting on as well, which is even more bizarre. But I reckon we'll go to the next part of this episode. So this was, well, initially I was contacted by a girl named Tasha. So Tasha had contacted me wanting to share an experience. Tasha is a medium. She has psychic ability and has really been developing on herself over the last few years. So this story and her experience is from pretty much the first time that she properly connected with a spirit that had came, um, that had come to her with a message and wanting to portray a message, so I was very appreciative that I was even thought of. I was uh, Tasha had messaged me um, via Facebook and had actually wanted to provide me with a story because she thought I'd do a good job at being very respectful and giving this spirit um, her voice and putting this spirit's story out there, as apparently it had been quite misconstrued over the years. So Tasha and I spoke over the phone so the way I will retell the story is I've recorded the conversation so I have then dictated this um, her experience and I will be retelling it. So I have not changed or altered any of the original story um, but it was a great phone conversation and I love connecting with my listeners and people even via phone. I've been doing that actually a lot lately and it's fantastic to actually have that two-way conversation rather than someone just sort of send in a story that I haven't actually spoken to the person. However, I still really appreciate that but it's been a different layer and a different level of this podcast podcast and I've been really connecting with people on a different level and wavelength which I've been really appreciative of and absolutely loving and again very touched that Tasha had well has um, trusted me to put this story forward so here we go here's this story this started back in 2021 So, this is around the time where I first discovered that I could speak to spirits I was still a big rookie in this area, and i had only ever spoken to spirits through someone else, like through other mediums. I did not realise that I had the ability to be able to speak to spirits until it was pointed out to me. But I do remember being a kid and having full-on conversations with myself. However, now I know it wasn't just with myself. A medium had pointed it out to me during a reading. We were talking to a spirit, and he had said, "'Yes, please.' or something similar, and I had heard it in my head as well as the medium giving me that response. I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe perhaps I was just thinking that statement to myself as well. The medium then looked at me and goes, Hang on, he just said that you can hear him too. I said, What? So she then asked another question, and I again heard the same answer in my head. The medium then told me what he had said and it was the exact same response. The medium was like, oh my God, you can do this too. So that was when I really started working on communicating with spirit and realizing the true potential of it. I am still highly skeptical of myself. I always try and get my evidence to prove what I'm receiving is correct and what I'm experiencing is real. How I see and hear spirits is in my mind. They can also make me feel and experience what they had experienced, including some unpleasant emotions sometimes. Although this also assists me with working through my own emotions and through my own life challenges. So I've learned to manage this as time has gone on. I've also developed very good boundaries and mutual understanding with the spirits that I connect with. However, here is the experience that I would really like to share with you. I was sitting in my room one evening in 2021 and I could feel a spirit near me. It had felt different to other, sp- like other spirits that I'd felt before. So I thought, hey, might as well give this a go and see what they would like to tell me. This was very early in my mediumship days. I started asking questions Are you a male or a female? And I got female. I then decided to ask, Well, how did you pass over? She kept saying that she was drowned. Then I asked, where were you drowned? She then proceeded to tell me Lake Wendaree, or the lake. I was actually living near Lake Wendaree at this time as well. The spirit was then able to show me what she looked like. She had dark hair and was wearing a long dress, definitely not from today's era, definitely like olden day attire. I then proceeded to do a quick Google to see if I could gain some evidence on what I was hearing and seeing in my mind. As I never like to take anything for face value, I always like to get my evidence or have it confirmed by someone else to ensure that I'm correct and what I'm hearing and seeing is correct. I could not find anything on Google at that stage regarding a woman who had drowned at Lake Rendaree, so I decided to leave it and I kind of cleared her off. I really did not think about her again until a couple of weeks ago when I was doing some research on the history of Ballarat. And funnily enough, I came across an article about a woman who had reportedly drowned at Lake Wendoree. The memories then come flooding back to me. So according to this article, her name was Catherine Sinot, but went by Kitty. Kitty was found floating in Lake Wendaree in 1920. And they could not decide whether it was suicide or accidental drowning. There was a lot of speculation and theories surrounding her death. I decided to return to the lake to see if I could connect with her again. At the time I thought the original dock where she was found might have been pulled down or no longer there as her death would have been a very long time ago. So I then proceeded to go where I was most drawn to. I went to a dock around sunset and I sat down and I was able to connect with her again. She actually sat down next to me, and I could see images of her in my head, brown curly hair done very proper, and she had a long blue dress on. Her essence was incredibly soft. She had a gentle nature, and I was not scared at all. Whatsoever. I was welcoming her presence there. So I started speaking to her. She kept saying lies, 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 I kept asking, what do you mean? What lies? And Kitty kept explaining lies about the way she had died. I closed my eyes and I could feel the feeling of being pushed down into water. I could see and feel it. It was a very full-on experience. It felt like someone had been pushing her under the water and I could see her arms trying to grasp out of the water in my mind. I believe that Kitty was trying to tell me that it was not suicide or an accidental drowning, as the news articles had said. However, bear in mind that this is just my experience of what she had shown me and that's all I can go by. I had told her that I would try and tell her story as respectfully and as accurately as I could with the information that I was provided and I got the feeling that she just wanted to be heard and have her truth told. I told her that she's safe now and that no one can hurt her again. I since feel now that she has moved on, I have not felt her presence again at the lake, which makes me further confirm she just wanted to have her story told truthfully and just to be heard and just not have lies or things being misconstrued about the way she had passed over. The newspapers were assuming that it was suicide or accidental, but there were a lot of mysteries surrounding her family, money that went missing, and apparently that she was seen with a man prior to her death. I just got the feeling that she was not happy with the way her death was portrayed. I went straight home after this and started my research again and the first thing that popped up was actually more information on her passing. I'd also found the photo that they'd used to help identify her. She looked exactly the same as I saw in my mind. I had confirmation. Every bit of evidence I was wanting and hoped for I had then received. I knew what I had felt and what I saw was true. So then I felt the urge to provide this information to someone to have her story told, rather than having others tell it and then embellish. This is why I provided this story to your podcast. When Kitty had originally visited me in 2021, the old Ballarat Cemetery were looking into the identities of people in unmarked graves. I'd later found out that Kitty was buried in an unmarked grave at the old Ballarat Cemetery. I believe that this was another catalyst for Kitty contacting me this could have stirred up some energy or, and a cause to have her story being finally told. She can tell her truth. So please feel free to do your own research. I believe she wants people to know who she is. And, as I said, have her truth told. Thank you very much, Tasha. And should I say thank you very much, Kitty? So... Kitty's name is Catherine Sinot. So if you do want to do some research and do a bit of a Google, there um, there is a news article that has popped up. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole yet in my research, but I will. This is not the last time I'm probably going to be talking about this. I'll probably go through Ancestry and do my own lot of research, which I have been doing a bit recently, on some other stories that I have received as well, especially around lakeside and lake gardens. I've been sort of trying to do my own research about some certain spirits that may have you know, come forward and been contacted and people that have actually had some sort of confirmation on who they were. So I'm aiming to go down the rabbit hole for this particular lady. um, But I will put up just a brief screenshot of the news article on my Instagram just for a quick reference. But I do encourage people to actually, if you are interested, Do your own research, do your own Googling and all that sort of stuff. I do have the photo of Kitty that was provided for her identification. However, it is um, a photo of her deceased. So I will not be putting that on my Instagram as that is very, that is not respectful whatsoever and also can be quite triggering. And that's not what I want for this at all. That's not, I really want to give this, this experience and this story the right dignity that it deserves. And I do not want to tell it for, you know, to embellish or make people frightened or scared or, you know, anything like that. I really just want this woman's story heard. And she's basically trying to say that the way that the newspapers or how everyone thought thinks that she died is not correct. Was she murdered? Did someone hurt her? And she wants to say that's, I did not commit suicide and I did not fall in and accidentally drown. Someone hurt me. Somebody did this. So, I have now done that. I've put the word out there. I'm hoping that even though we still don't know for sure, but from what Tasha was saying, that this spirit was really coming forward saying it was lies, like this, this is my truth. And I think that that's really important in life and death to speak your truth. And, you know, if you feel really passionately about something like – say it. (laughs) You know, and I think that that's just amazing. And Tasha had also told me that this spirit had such a very strong essence, like, you know, very strong willed woman, which I find amazing. But back in 1920, probably wasn't appreciated at all, really. So (laughs) she's coming through now and today is her time to be able to say what actually really happened. And but yeah, there's also a coroner's inquest as well into the death. So there's, there's a whole sort of gamut of information. As I said, I will go down the rabbit hole and bring some more info. And if I do find any more info, I will speak about it in future episodes. But anyway, I really appreciate it. This is really cool because I'm finding that this podcast is kind of going down a different route now, which I'm quite happy with and excited. Next week, I will be discussing Lake Gardens slash Lakeside, which used to be Ballarat the old Ballarat Mental Asylum before it's now been torn down. So I do have quite a few stories of current paranormal and ghostly hauntings on the grounds that um, obviously a lot of the buildings have been torn down, uh, but people have built houses on them and stuff now, so I've got a lot of cool stories about that. So that will be next week. I have gone down a fair bit of a rabbit hole with some research on people's family histories, and there has been a little ghost that is featured in two of the stories, which I believe is the same little angel. But anyway, I just want to say a massive thank you. Please contact me via Instagram. Contact me via email, at Outlook.com. If you've got any cool stories, any true paranormal experiences, please send them to me because I really want to keep going. And anything that's even like a bit of left of center where you're like, oh, I'm not sure if that's really her vo- I don't care. Just love just love to talk about it. Love to talk to you. You want to talk on the phone? More than happy. We can arrange that as well because I'm finding that really dynamic and a really Cool way moving forward to keep connecting with you guys and just adding different layers upon layers of this podcast. But anyway, I do encourage Google Catherine Sinat, Kitty Sinat, have a look, see what you can come up with. But anyway, thanks guys. I hope you have a great week. See ya.